Hello, I'm Brittany Wilson. I'm Nia Wasink, and you're listening to The The Nonprofit Nonprofit Reframe. Together, Nia and I have over 30 years of nonprofit experience. We've worked the program side, the business side, and everything in between. We are reframing the nonprofit experience by challenging the status quo, because we know that nonprofits and their staff are undervalued, under-resourced, and unrelenting. Welcome back. So thrilled to be with all of you listeners today. Brittany, what are we talking about? We are talking about lobbying. Lobbying. What a fun topic. I know. Well, we figure, what are the three things you're not supposed to talk about with people? You're not supposed to talk about money, politics, and religion, right? Right. Well, we talk about money all the time (laughs) on this podcast, so we figure... Let's just go ahead and tackle the second one while we're at it. Let's talk about politics. Does that mean we're going to cover religion at some point? Uh, probably. I do have a master's oh, in God. it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm open to it. I talk about it all the time. I know you do. <laughs> um, but not today. Not today. Today no. we're talking about lobbying. We're talking about lobbying. We're talking about politics. So you've been warned. And uh, luckily, this this podcast is not a nonprofit. You and I are not representing nonprofits. Exactly. So I'm going to start this off by saying, fuck Trump. How did that feel? Oh, it felt so good. So freeing. I saw it in your face when you said it. (laughs) (laughs) Because we're normally not allowed to say stuff like that. No, 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 no. We aren't. And so nonprofits will say things like, well, the administration's decision, da, 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 da. And, like, they use these vague terms when, at the end of the day, everybody wants to say, fuck Trump. So, to all of our nonprofit friends out there, say it with me in your cars by yourself. Fuck, fuck Trump. Trump. All right. There we go. Oh, that was great. I know. I'm already picturing some of the emails that I'm going to be getting from this. But that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. It is okay. Yes. I- we have been trained as nonprofits when you work for a nonprofit you always have to give the disclaimer, we are bipartisan. Right, right. You can't endorse or uh, go against any candidate. Can't right? support a candidate or condone them or... Right. Yeah. Um, uh, that is all thanks to the Johnson Amendment. Um, that's what prohibits nonprofits from engaging specifically in that kind of candidate work. So you can as an independent citizen, right? But just not representing your organization. Which um, often gets messy, especially religious institutions, actually. Speaking of religion. Oh, we did bring it in. Boom. Uh, I actually remember this. I grew up in a very evangelical part of the world. um, And I remember going to church in the early, mid-2000s and pastors saying from the pulpit, if you are a good Christian, you will vote for Bush. What? Yeah. And they could have lost their 501c3 for that. Yeah. Of course, nobody reported them, but... Right. Well, because then they go to hell. (laughs) (laughs) You go to hell for reporting your church to the IRS. Exactly. Uh, But although we cannot specifically get involved in endorsing candidates, we can lobby. And that, I think, is what often gets missed. Nonprofits are so scared that they will not go out and support or oppose legislation, 
policy work that's happening that is going to impact themselves, their clients, the sector as a whole, and they really, really need to. But why are they scared? I mean, we talked about the possibility of losing their status as a 501c3, but I think that nonprofits are also scared um, of offending anybody. Right. Well, when you, I, I know we, we talk about this kind of stuff all the time of like, okay, who who's going to dislike that we posted this? Who's going to get upset by that? Is it still in line with our values? Do we feel like we should do it because we don't want to offend donors or volunteers or people who support us? And then we end up just not saying the really important things we need to say. Because we're afraid that it's going to impact the money. Right. Oh, there's the trifecta right there. Boom. Religion, <laughs> politics, money. Done. Done. I hope. How's everyone doing out there? Are you uh, starting to sweat a little bit? Palm sweat, getting uncomfortable? Switch to the next podcast yet. <laughs> But it's true. I think that there's also this fear of we could potentially alienate Mm -hmm. um, an entire section of our donor pool. Right. And that that would ultimately affect their giving. Right. Right. But you bring up such a great point that we can still stand behind the issues. Yes. And we need to much, much more than we are right now. And I think you asked kind of what what's the cause of that. I think part of the issue is that nonprofits get scared of offending people, but they also don't know what is allowed. And so it's easier just to disengage entirely. Right. So nonprofits out there, if you are a 501c3, you absolutely have the right, the ability, the the blessing to go out and do active lobbying. Depending on how much you do, you might need to file an H designation with your 990, which is just a little form saying what percentage of your expenses were spent on lobbying. And if you're just getting into this, it'll be a minuscule percentage. Um, But literally, that's all you have to do. You just have to add that designation. You have to fill out this report with your taxes, and you are then allowed to go out and do lobbying. What does lobbying look like? (laughs) I love that you put me into the schoolhouse rock position over and over (laughs) again. All the time. All the time. Okay, so lobbying can mean a lot of different things. Um, and it's all dependent on the, the kind of um, level your organization's working at. Um, you've got your, your local, you know, going to city council, going to planning board meetings, um, supporting something that is either on the table for them to discuss or maybe presenting something so that they can discuss it. It's going down um, to your state capitol to present in front of the legislature, to testify about policy that's happening, to be part of resolutions that they're um, approving, and then all the way up, of course, to the federal level and and working with Congress and calling your your reps um, and your senators to, again, oppose or support specific legislation that's moving forward. We're pretty fortunate here in Colorado that we have um, an organization, Colorado Nonprofit Association, mm-hmm. who puts on an annual nonprofit lobbying day down at our state capitol. Yeah. And have you ever been on one of those? Oh, yeah, yeah. Have you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was great. And mm-hmm. I'll, I'm the first one to say that I'm pretty green when it comes to lobbying and political lobbying. Um So it was a great intro for me Mm -hmm. and was a great way to um, meet our legislators and create a forum that was pretty easy on both sides of the aisle Mm -hmm. and engage in really good discussion. Mm -hmm. 
for me, somebody who loves legislation, the political process, um, it was really great to be part of that kind of structure when you were lobbying on behalf of the sector as a whole. You know, I'm, I was more used to it in the specific causal areas that I was working on. You know, I helped um, run some legislation in Colorado a few years back that was specific to our types of organizations um, and the work we were doing. But to kind of see that larger perspective of what is happening that might impact nonprofits was really important. Um, I'm assuming that there is a federal organization that does that. I actually don't know. I have no idea. There needs to be because some shit's happening that is going to impact nonprofits and their staff. Yes, absolutely. Um, by the time this is airing, I'm sure we are like through 13 budget iterations at that point. But as of the point that we're recording, which is what, what's today? The 17th? 17th. Okay. February. February 17th. Um, Trump just released his budget proposal. President's Day. Oh, yeah. It's President's Day. Fuck Trump. Um, <laughs> and in it, he includes entirely eliminating the public service loan forgiveness program. Which allows um, people that have decided to serve within the nonprofit sector for at least 10 years uh, student loan forgiveness. Is that correct? Right. Yeah. Which I think is a really important retention tool. We've talked plenty about how shit our nonprofit employees get paid, but this was always this nice carrot. Right. If you stick with it for 10 years, right. then your student loans will be forgiven. Um, without that, I, I genuinely wonder what that's going to do. I mean, I know that the program itself has been riddled with issues and people have a really hard time actually getting their loans forgiven, forgiven especially under Betsy DeVos as our um, Secretary of Education. It's, it's become even worse. But it's still this really important thing. And part of it was the federal government saying, we recognize how important it is for nonprofit for staff to go into nonprofits, right? For people to have this commitment to public service, and therefore we are going to reward them by forgiving their student loans, which will potentially be this big anchor on them and their personal finances for decades without some sort of program like this, right? For their whole life, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, have you been a part of any organizations that have done active lobbying? Like I worked for an organization one time. We even hired a lobbyist. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So we put that into our budget as an expense, mm -hmm. and it wasn't a huge budget, but it was enough that, um, you know, we could look at every year what bills were coming up and what we wanted to get behind, and then we had somebody actively lobbying for us. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I, I've done that plenty of times with organizations I've worked for, um, and I think that that is really what's criti critical because especially human services organizations – if you are not working actively on addressing some of the root causes, on addressing the policy issues that ensure that your client's situations will be perpetuated, then you're never going to make the real difference that you need to make. Yeah. Right? Like in the last, we'll say three-ish years, what is it, three years in one month? <laughs> Fuck Trump. Um, we have seen horrific legislation come forward and- Luckily, a subsection of that actually get passed, but still enough get passed that is really, really awful towards people, um, especially towards people in specifically marginalized populations. If your organization is serving one of those populations and you are not actively lobbying against this legislation, you're you're just sitting there waiting for the next wave to come. Right. And and that means that you're not providing that additional voice that your clients need. Well, and you can actually include their voice. Absolutely. I mean, their literal voice. Yeah. 
with, um, I've worked at places before where we have brought clients down who have wanted to be a part of the process, who wanted their voice to be heard, um, to testify. And it's so empowering for them. Mm -hmm. I mean, at a time when they don't feel like they have any power or agency over their life. Mm -hmm. So it could be a very positive experience for your clients as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's one of those where I always think too that at the end of the day, legislators are people. They want to connect with people. Um, I can sit there and spew stats at them and talk about economic impacts, but it's not till I've got somebody telling the story of how the policy actually impacted them in their lives that it's going to really click for a legislator. So when you have a population that that's in a position where they can do that, right? Like we're not saying pull vulnerable populations forward and like, absolutely. I mean, they have to opt into that. That has to be something that they really want to do. Right. Yeah. Um, that actually just reminded me, there's this great group that, um, organizes, uh, former foster youth to do that kind of lobbying, Mm -hmm. both Mm -hmm. at the state level and nationally. Yeah. And I think, wow, what, what an amazing thing because they have been impacted by so many policy decisions, right? Like their entire lives have been dictated by these rule books that legislators have set forth. And now they have this chance to actually sit there and look them in the eyes and say, this is what's not working. And here's my proposed solution for how you change it. Yeah. Yeah. I just love that. That's amazing. So you mentioned the Johnson Amendment earlier, and I honestly don't know that much about it. Can you speak more to it? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, Well, it's a really interesting thing because it has come into popular discussion for the first time. Like, I would bring it up in trainings and nobody had heard about it until a couple years ago because the last big budget that was um, passed by Congress um, almost got rid of it. Really? Yeah. Yeah. In the, like, final hours of finally approving the budget, you know, months after the fiscal year had started, because fuck Trump, um, they finally removed that, the getting rid of the amendment. But so it continues today, and it's the thing that prevents nonprofits from specifically endorsing or opposing candidates. Um, But it's interesting because I've heard people on both sides of this argument as to whether or not the Johnson Amendment should continue. Yeah. What would that look like if it wasn't in effect? My big concern, if it wasn't in effect, um, is that, well, what we've seen as of late, um, and by as of late, I mean since Citizens United came into play, Mm -hmm. where corporations are now people and whatever bullshit that is, um, is we've seen so much money go into political campaigns and into PACs um, that is really not well um, tracked Mm -hmm. um, and that has genuinely shifted our political landscape. Yeah. So if the Johnson Amendment goes away and nonprofits can start saying things like fuck Trump publicly, right? I envision funds going into nonprofits for that purpose. So I imagine that donors are going to start putting pressure on organizations to be out there very publicly endorsing and opposing candidates, that there is going to be more dark money going through because nonprofit disclosure requirements are totally different Mm -hmm. than PACs or um, specific candidate campaigns. So I think that it can be, it can be really, really scary for the way that nonprofits operate. Um, Right now I, I see it as a protective measure. Sure. Um, I, I do wish that there was some way for nonprofits to be more vocal, but I also understand that it's a, it's a trade off, right? Like, 
every nonprofit that I work with right now in human services would probably love to join me in fucking Trump right now. <laughs> but we can't. Right. So I would rather have the protections of the Johnson Amendment than be able to do that. Yeah. Um, and instead we can talk about his policies and how awful those are instead. Um, but if we if we totally get rid of the Johnson Amendment and we start to see these these donations that have been going into PACs start to come in through nonprofits, I don't know that the sector could handle uh, the ramifications of that. Right. We talk about like donor pressure already in terms of how we operate our programming and um, the kinds of ways that we spend our money. Can you imagine if money's coming in specifically around candidate endorsements? Yeah, that's that's going to get so messy so fast. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just really really dangerous. And in the last few years, where um, campaign finance legislation has continued to be eroded, um, there are fewer and fewer protections anyway. So, like, this is just not the moment for this to happen. Yeah. If there was more around campaign finance, if we had true campaign finance reform that was able to help protect nonprofits, maybe. Maybe there would be a point at which the Johnson Amendment could go away. But right now, we absolutely need that to protect the integrity and um, really the, the ethical operations of nonprofits. Right. I love how you said <clears throat> all of my nonprofit colleagues would want to join me in fucking Trump. Did I say that? Yes. took everything in me not to start laughing you should have because then i could have corrected it i know um oh that's awful i don't want that image in my brain i know with all your friends like a big ew 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 (laughs) (laughs) i don't want that (laughs) okay uh they want to join me in saying fuck trump that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> That's not how it came out. <laughs> Goddamn. Oh, podcast. I know. Um, great. Thanks for that clarification. That makes a lot more sense now. <laughs> so what are our takeaways? Um, nonprofits, get out there, lobby. Make relationship with your legislators. Legislators. Um, I actually think that those relationships can be really important. Um, I'm, when I was working in child welfare, I had the cell phone numbers of the two people who ran the children's caucus for Colorado and I would call them when I needed something like we have a child in an unsafe situation. What can you intervene in some way? Yeah. And having them available was really, really helpful. That's smart. So, you know, it's not just like when legislation is running that it's important to have a relationship with your legislators. There are so many big and small ways where having people in power who have your back, have your clients back is is really, really important. So get out there, do your H designations when you file your 990 so that you can actively lobby, um, but, but get involved. Find ways where that can be meaningful. I do want to hesitate, or caution, I should say. I want to caution. This could also go uh, too deep for some. Yeah. Right, like I, I love the political stuff. I could, if my board had given me free reign, I would have been down there, down in Denver every day. Right during the legislative session, not probably an effective use of my time. Sure. So you That's always have to weigh point. that. Such a great point. And weigh like what legislation is truly impacting my clients, and like requires my voice versus are there things that I can more passively endorse and not have to testify against? Right, like. 
I had a whole matrix of what raised to the level of actually testifying or um, going in support of mm-hmm. or uh, opposition to versus just kind of monitoring the, the bill's progress throughout the legislative session. So you, you need to figure out a, a, a method to track that because it could take a lot of time. Well, and I think it's a great way to get board members involved. Oh, absolutely. So The ones you trust yeah. to speak publicly. <laughs> well, we have um, an advocacy committee. And oh, you do? <clears throat> we do. What do they do? So they look every year at the legislative agenda and they identify which bills we as an organization are going to stand behind. Wow. And then um, they do everything from organizing, going down to the state capitol, to um, doing postcard parties. Oh, lovely. So we get together, um, and it's open to the public, and anybody can come, and we say, hey, we're going to be writing postcards to this senator or whatnot, mm. um, trying to you know lobby for the passing of this bill or you know whatever it is. Um, and it's just a way for people to get involved, you know, and feel like they're doing something and have a voice. Well, yeah, I think that's that's a really critical component, too. When we engage in lobbying as an organization, we provide outlets for people who are tied into our mission yes. and want to ensure that legislation is enacted that supports that. So if we can funnel them to do that work through us, it can be both really fulfilling for them but also ensure that they have the knowledge they need to be effective in the legislative process. Well, I think it's an understatement to say that there is a large part of the population right now that is frustrated with the current administration and feels like, uh, I mean, Nia is obviously one of them. How many times has she said fuck Trump during this? Well, I love that you went to the current administration. I know. Fuck that. Okay. But see, <laughs> I'm. it's just been so ingrained right, in right. me. Exactly. Like, I... I have been trained to not, yeah, to speak around the issue. Um, but now we have a drinking game during this issue, during this episode, <laughs> every time Nia says fuck Trump. Um, but no, my point is, is that it's it's providing opportunities for people to galvanize and for people to feel um, helpful. You know, people yeah. like have a sense of hopelessness right now, oh, totally. you, know, in, you know, and they, they just feel like there's nothing I can do that can make a difference. And, you know, this is just, I mean, depression, like people yeah. are depressed. And so I do think that it's a new way to engage your supporters mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Uh, I was going through, um, the bills currently going through Colorado's legislature. I was looking for some specific legislation, but you know, there's so many bills put forward that are such shit, right? Like they will never make it out of committee. Right. But the, the meaning behind them is usually just like this hate filled nastiness. Yeah. And as I'm going through reading bill after bill after bill, that is just attempting to like maintain white supremacy and ensure that, um, LGBTQ folks don't get the, right. the equal rights that they deserve. And, uh, you know, there was just bill after bill after bill. I closed the browser being like, fuck, everything is awful. But then I had to pull it back and remember, like, okay, most of that's never going to make it anywhere. Right. I need to focus on the legislation I can have an impact on. And I'm doing that through this one organization that I will continue to be engaged with. And they're going to educate me on it and help me, you know, stay really focused. So I think you're totally right. Like, in this time of hopelessness, we can really, as nonprofit folks, 
provide an outlet for people where they feel like they can really change things. Absolutely. Um, I taking this back. I'm, I know we're in our takeaways section of the podcast, but we're going back. Um, are you familiar with VAWA, the violence against women act? Ah, yes I am. Okay. So it was up for reauthorization, I think 2013, 2019 again. Um, and every time it comes up, it, it's heart wrenching for me to know that people don't want to reauthorize funding and programming for women who have been victimized, um, is is just really awful. And so it happened again in 2019, almost didn't pass it. It it did eventually. Um, but there were a few organizations that, that seized on that to, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for to, to really organize and galvanize. That's the word galvanize their supporters around it. Um, and they did a great job of educating us on what, how VAWA was created, what it does, what it funds, all the various programs that are impacted if it doesn't get reauthorized. Um, and it was the, these organizations that were a part of that just did such a nice job of then creating those opportunities. All right, you're going to send postcards, you're going to send emails and giving us really specific steps to do instead of feeling like everything's awful. Right. And so again, just going back to where organizations can do that, where they can partner with other organizations that are also impacted by legislation you know, get, get your lobbying forces together. You don't have to do this in isolation. Great. All right. So hopefully, um, you've made it to the end of this episode (laughs) with us. We barely did. (laughs) You didn't turn the channel. Um, and now you're feeling inspired. Go out and, uh, get some legislation passed. Absolutely. Let's make a difference. Um, do you want to talk about where people can find us? They can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. They can also email us, nonprofitreframe at gmail.com. Um, we would love to hear your stories, love to hear how you all are engaging in lobbying. Um, if you've got a specific piece of legislation you're pushing forward, let us know. We'd love to share it on our socials. Um, just get in touch. Hashtag let's make a difference. (laughs) We're going to start that one. I bet nobody's used it before. Nobody has, (laughs) but we are going to get that started. And please remember to support your local nonprofits. Give and give generously. Thanks, everybody. We would like to thank our sponsors. Mission Launch is a Colorado-based nonprofit consulting firm focusing on fundraising and board governance. You can learn more at missionlaunchco.com. And Jake Walker Music, who provides our theme music. You can find him at jakewalkermusic.org. Thank you so much.